When I woke up this morning, one of my morning traditions is I will, I'll either pray through in my, my uh, coming alive brain either Psalm 23 or the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> and as I, this morning I was praying through the Lord's Prayer. And when I got to, you know, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then I said this morning, and let it be in Sunbury as it is in heaven. And it stopped, it just sort of, it really quick, yeah. And I would encourage us, I just had this sense of God's like, oh, uh, he's up to something. And just looking out at all of you makes me go, wow, uh, he really is up to something. And so let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll worship together. And uh, so Lord, we, we thank you for the privilege today of gathering as a family around you, Jesus. We do pray, Lord, would your kingdom come, would your will be done, would it, would it be in Sunbury as it is in heaven? Lord, would you move on this fast-growing community? Would you move on us today as we come into your presence, as we worship you, as we uh, just uh, learn more from your word? Lord, would you, uh, would you move on us? We welcome you here. Come have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.
God in three persons. God in three persons. Blessed
were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord, let's sing that again, we are the beggars. Yes, we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are the given, except redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the
nothing this world has to offer that's better than you. Lord, and we confess that there's a lot of things that still catch our eye, but would you, would you turn our faces towards you today? Lord, show us again how, how wonderful you are. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Good morning. Oop. Good morning. Boy, I am telling you what, you guys are missing out because you're sitting out there and you got to look at this. <laughs> but we've got the best seats in the house because we get to see all that. And I got to tell you, it is encouraging. It is encouraging because we know that the enemy didn't want this to happen today. We know that this isn't the way the world is going, but it is really a beautiful thing to see and to know that the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ's church is alive and well in Sunbury, Ohio. And that is what we want to talk about this morning. According to a new poll from Public Agenda in USA Today, there's a declining share of Americans who believe that it is, quote, very important to reduce divisiveness or to find better ways to understand people whose political affiliations are different from their own. 
It's a striking difference from previous research and a nod to the politically correct or politically polarized country America has become. A similar hidden common ground poll in 2019 found that 65% of, of Americans said it was very important to reduce divisiveness. Now fewer than half, 48% hold that opinion. We are not trending in the direction that we should. And we're not just seeing its effects, but we are starting to feel them as well. Australian reporter Catherine Murphy writes, I want to ask a bigger question about disunity. One I've been carrying around with me since election night four years ago. Politics watchers will know that prime ministers and opposition leaders intone with all the sobriety of an undertaker that disunity is death. People in my line of work tend to amplify that line dutifully, not because we are ciphers, but because it appeared to be true. One of those truisms so true it required no rebuttal. But now, I'm not so sure. She continues, technology has pushed us into tribes. Our shared reality is increasingly animated by fealty rather than agreed facts and a spirit of inquiry. Conflict has become the pulse and the respiration of our harried and hyper-connected lives. So perhaps, without us noticing, she said, Australia, like some other democracies, has been picked up and set down in a different place, a place where disunity has become what is expected in public life. And I think it is at least possible that collective expectations have bent to that new normal. In addition, she observes, disunity also furnishes spectacle, which is addictive. It is kind of fun to watch a fight or a car crash. More enjoyable than Congress in session, anyway. As evidenced by the ratings of big-time wrestling dominating those of live political sessions. So is it any wonder that there is a recent social media trend amongst teenagers where attacking other teenagers and recording it and then posting it on social media? Or that these same students are also making videos go viral by watching the videos of their friends attacking other teenagers? Or the even more recent trend of stealing cars and crashing them into home people's homes or businesses on video for social media. What's happening to our children? To answer that question, I have to ask you a few questions of my own. Have you listened to any political news shows lately? Or followed any conversation threads on your social media account? Obviously, our children are following our example. But what about in the church? Sure, division is huge in politics and the world around us, but the church? Tom Rainier compiled a list of real issues that churches have argued about or split over using a Twitter survey. He clarified up front, there were certainly the ones we've heard often, temperature in the worship center, as much as we appreciate the AC today, the color of the carpet, as neutral as you might choose, order of worship, and the color of walls. Deep theological issues each. And then there were some, how shall we say, that were completely childish and stupid. 
For example, there was a church where a deacon accused another deacon of sending an anonymous letter and then deciding to settle that matter in the parking lot. They could have sold tickets to that event and raised a lot of money for ministry. <laughs> the world is watching. Or the church who argued over the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard. I think I saw a verse in scripture that indicated it has to be no more than 1.5 inches longer than the lead pastor's beard. Hmm. <laughs> the world is watching us. Or the church who fought over whether to build an indoor children's playground or to use that land for a cemetery. Oh, I'm dying to know the resolution of this one. <laughs> the world is watching. An argument on whether the church was allowed to serve deviled eggs at the church potluck. Only if it's balanced with angel food cake for dessert. The world is watching. Or the church argument and vote to decide if a clock needed to be removed. Stop flashing that one at me. Well, I for one think this one at least is a timely argument. The world is watching. And listening, Dave. And listening. <laughs> yeah, listening. Okay. An on. argument over what type of green beans the church should serve. I could have resolved that one quickly. None. The world is watching. A fight over which picture of Jesus to post in the foyer. Depends. Who was the photographer? The world is watching. Let's say some truth to help us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. But how can that be done? Do we all agree? Do we all have the same mind and judgment? For example, how often do you take communion? Do you practice baptism? What mode of baptism do you use? The world is still watching. Do you use hymnals? Side note to younger believers. Hymnals are these books that have songs in them once used in every church during the worship service. Which really leads us to the most important question. What color are those hymnals? Do you use musical instruments in worship? Okay, but what about drums? Now, all of us here together today represent different faith communities, different heritages, different ways and means of worshiping God on a weekly basis, but we must still be united. Friends, the world is certainly watching us. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, and Jesus said to them that any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. But how can we stand united when admittedly we have so many differences? Are we a house divided against itself? 
How can we possibly hope for unity when we are as diverse as we are? The answer is, was, and always will be Jesus. Mm -hmm. Always. Second chapter of Ephesians verses 21 and 22 tell us this. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Everything is done in him because in him we find our purpose. While our differences may be many, what unites us is singular in purpose, identity, and priority. Jesus alone must rule in our hearts and minds. And while that might look differently from individual to individual, the source remains constant and pure. Again, from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. How are we demonstrating that oneness that Paul speaks of here? What binds us together must become more important than our differences. The Christ in me binds me to the Christ in you. And the Christ in you binds you to the Christ in me. Jesus, our one Lord, must always take precedent over everything else. Otherwise, he is greatly diminished to the world that is still watching us. So how would Jesus bind us? One of his few recorded prayers gives us the answer. In the Gospel of John, chapter 17, Jesus prayed this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and I've loved them even as you have loved me. Unity is what Jesus prays for us because it glorifies God and proves to the world who Jesus really is. It's simple, really. Not easy, but simple. How we treat each other is our greatest testimony because the world is watching us. The service today is important, important to us, important enough that we've gathered and planned, important enough that when it rained, we didn't cancel, because it reveals to the world what is so desperately needed in this moment. The gathering, the service today is so important because it demonstrates what it is that makes Big C Church, Big C Church. The service today is so important because it exemplifies the unity that we find together in Jesus alone. Acts 2, 44 through 47. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Will you pray with me? Father God, we come and I echo the prayer of my Redeemer. We rejoice, Father, that there are those who have known because of the testimony of those who went before us. We rejoice that we're in that line, that we're in the line of those who will name the name Jesus, that Jesus resides in us, that the thing that allows us to gather from our multitude of heritages and faith traditions and worship styles, that on this Sunday we can set those things aside not because they aren't important, not because we don't have opinions about them, but because the thing that matters the most is our Redeemer and our Savior, Jesus. And so, Father, we gather in His name. We, re we rejoice and we unite in His name. We believe that the power of the gospel is in His name. The one who came and pursued, the one who loved and died and was buried and rose again. And so, Father, we rejoice. We worship and honor and praise the name of Jesus this morning. We ask that the things that we do and say and sing and pray, that the words that we will encourage one another with as we depart and shake and hug and greet, that, Father, the thing that binds us together, the thing that will bind us together for all of eternity is Jesus. And we praise his name and we pray it in his name, the glorious name of our Redeemer and Savior and friend. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as the worship team comes back, um, I just want to say one last thing just to put a handle, uh, a handle on, on what was shared this morning, for something for us to take home. And, uh, you know, I, I think I, I was told once that the, when we read Scripture, it's like looking into a mirror. And so as we've heard this, this uh, challenge today towards unity and moving away from divisiveness, uh, I think it's good to look into that mirror of God's Word and and uh, the scripture that came to mind as these guys were talking is a very short but very powerful verse. 1 John 4, 19 says, We love, why? Because he first loved us. And I uh, was taught very young as a pastor that whenever you are finding it hard to love another person, whether it's someone in your home, someone on your block, someone at work, someone at school, someone on television, someone like you, you, you can finish that up with whatever you would say, but whenever you're struggling to love someone and you feel that in your heart, he said, let, uh, see that as like a dashboard uh, warning light. And the warning is, son, you've forgotten how much God loves you. And as we talk about unity, I am convinced the only way that we will be able to move towards each other is if we know how loved we are by God. 
And so I encourage us, when we stand up, I encourage us as we go back into a time of worship, I, I would encourage you to just consider that scripture that, okay, the only way I'm gonna love that other person who drives me nuts. Um, you know, I know, let's, I'll call out some names. No, okay. <laughs> no, I won't do that. Well, no, I'll go for it. Yeah, you're that guy in the church. Yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> Troublemaker. But I would encourage you this week as you get back into life or all these, you know, family events and celebrations, be aware of that <clears throat> inside when you're around that person who you find hard to love. And I would encourage you, just let it, my prayer is, oh God, remind us in that moment that, that we are called, the call of a Christian, the call to following Jesus is to love others. And that includes our enemies and that includes the whole list. And so I just encourage you and I, my prayer is that God would remind you, hey, I think you've forgotten how much I love you. Why don't you come sit with me for a little bit? Let me love on you and then go try again. So uh, let's go back into worship. speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there's peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus dark addiction starts to break declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus your name is power your name is healing your name is love Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety.
Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the whole Praise the name of Jesus. Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name of Jesus. Shout Jesus. Shout together. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness. Over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name of Jesus. Your name is God, we love your name. We love you, God. God, we lift up our voices and our, our praise to you here today, God. All our hopes and our dreams, all our cares, all our anxiety, we lift it all to you. I sing praises to your name. Praises to your name, the name that's so much higher than all names. All honor to your name. 
lifted up. Be lifted up. Be lifted higher. Yeah, yeah. Be lifted up. Be lifted higher. Let's sing that again. Be lifted up. Be lifted high. 
singing that I just saw us one day billions of people gathered around the throne of God in heaven saying to him all our lives you have been faithful you are the faithful one faithful and true Lord I pray uh, as we get back into the busyness of life Lord would you just remind us again remind us again of your great love for us of your call to, hey, take my hand, come follow me. Lord, and, and would we, as your sons and daughters in Sunbury, would we, uh, would we be a bright light in a time that is, is so dark? Would we be bright lights of love, of unity, of grace, of mercy? Lord, just uh, fill us up with you and, and, and set us on display for all the world to see. Uh, so we thank you for this time. We bless every church that's represented, every family that's represented, and we, uh, we again, just thank you for your presence here today. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, bless you. <laughs> the plan on the, if we were at the high school, the plan was that there would be a free lunch, but Dave Cahoon is so generous. He uh, has offered to take everyone for lunch. No, that's not true. Okay. Dave just gave me a gesture, which said no. It was no. But hey, seriously, thank you for coming today. That, that is the end of our service. Feel free to grab cookies if there are any left at the cafe. But uh, have a wonderful, wonderful 4th of July. Hopefully we'll see you in the parade. Uh, but bless you, and thanks again for, for coming. Bless you.